from the short show, Heart of the Matter, from the Mecca of Mormonism, from Sean McCraney, your host. Ever struggle how to help people in this world who ask for it? I don't mean people who um, uh, say, hey, I'm moving, or can you give me a ride, or this or that. I'm talking about people who walk up to you who are strangers or even people you know and say, I need some money. Has that ever troubled you? And do you feel a certain um, responsibility to give them because they've asked? In this day and age of homelessness and opportunists, do you feel as a Christian that it's incumbent upon you to uh, reach in your pocket and give to anyone and everyone who asks, you pull up to the freeway exit and they're there with their signs. Do you feel a pang of guilt when you look away and drive on? I have long wondered about the real balance as a Christian in this day and age between giving aid to people who ask and versus aiding people in their weakness. Uh, there's such a big deal going out, especially in the United States, uh, that's centered on having a lot of what they call compassion on the lost and the broken and the ill and the, uh, the people who struggle and the homeless. And, and it's a compassion, real compassion, Genuine compassion is important. And giving financially to people who are in real need is a good thing. Always of God. When you lend to somebody, or get not lend, but when you give to somebody who is truly in need, that's a compassionate act. But when you give to somebody who is in need of something besides money, and you give them money to uh, offset what really is at the root of it, that's irresponsible. It's not healthy. It's not, it's not doing something to help them in the truest sense. And therefore, it's not compassionate. So I want to talk to you about that. In the first two or three years of ministry, I came up here weekly. You, many of you know this. And I slept on a couch in the uh, station for several nights in a row. And because uh, that was my bed, therefore my I didn't have a house, a living room or a dining room, so I would go out and I would spend all day out among the people. And this place was on the west side of the I-15 here in Utah, uh, up by Rose Park. And so it was kind of a desolate area, not desolate, but destitute area financially. And uh, I had a lot of shoulder rubbing with the street public uh, for a number of years as I would work in the public. Many of them started to recognize me because of the show and they would ask for help, financial help, which I was eager to give them in the name of Christ, always without question, because I, I was a new Christian. I had just come out of Christian ministry training, and uh, I felt like I was being watched because of the show as to how I would respond. And so I would generously give to those 
who were in need with ministry funds and, you know, with personal too. And uh, that helped my guilt and it helped my heart too. My heart was, was willing and wanting, but it also was to be seen. It also helped my ego. It made me feel like I was being a true Christian when other people were turning their nose up at those who were asking. As the ministry grew and therefore the popularity grew, we were constantly being confronted by people with an extended hand as the ministry. 98% of the requests came from people who had what I would call immediate needs, right? Um, because of their circumstance, can you give me some money? Those are the ones that we see on the street corners and who hit you up on the street. With the other 2%, being people who had uh, um, long-term needs as a result of medical bills or uh, unemployment, sudden unemployment, or losing uh, a marriage, a divorce, or losing their home. So about 2% of the requests came from people like that. And I always felt like in those latter cases that those people were really deserving of assistance because they were really in a... Uh, emergency situation that was heaped upon them for which they could do very little about and needed some stopgap measure to help bridge them over until they could land on their feet. And those cases certainly do exist. Absolutely. Um, but the problem was with emergency needs like, hey man, I, I need food or can you give me some money for for bus, uh, can you give me some money to get to a hotel? You can cover that with 20 to $100 and take care of that situation. But when people have the stopgap needs, it takes a lot more money. And so the people who are deserving of the help often don't get it because they, the need they have is in the thousands of dollars. But the people who have the emergency need help can be satisfied with a one, a five, a 10 or a 20, sometimes a little more if it's for a hotel room and, and more people can be helped that way. And so it seems like they, they're the ones who uh, get the money when they may not deserve it. And the people who really could use the helping hand don't. And so I trusted the requests out on the street for years. After two or three years of sleeping at the station, my daughter and I moved into a, uh, a government subsidied apartment actually downtown. And then for the past six years, Mary and I have lived downtown directly, not directly, but across the street. You can see the place from the major missions of Salt Lake City. And so I'm telling you all that because I've had a lot years, probably, you know, I've had 16 years at least of dealing with uh, requests from people for help. And so I've thought long and hard about what is the true, truly compassionate, truly Christian way of helping somebody. Now, the first rule of thumb is always by the Spirit. There are times when I will be going along and someone will ask and the Spirit is not confirming. And, 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 but every now and then somebody will ask, and the Spirit says, help this person. And so you always go by the Spirit. So anything I'm suggesting now 
is always a subtext to follow the Spirit, right? Um, but in addition to helping the street people or being confronted by the street people and my experiences there, I also volunteered a few years ago to be kind of a, minist- uh, a guide for people coming out of prison, for men coming out of prison. And so I was a guide to a guy who was in a halfway house that was run by the state and he had just gotten out of prison for rape. And I was his mentor. And then I had another guy who was in prison. I can't remember what he was in prison for. And I was his mentor. And so I was able to see what helping somebody in that situation, transitioning from prison to life, would be like and, and what it looked like. Right? And after 16 years, I want to share with you what I've learned. Both from Scripture and from hands-on activity with people who are on the street, with people coming out of prison, with people who show up to church and ministry, who ask for handouts, whether they're strangers or people we know. What is the result of all of that? When it comes to the people on the street, Most of them lie. Most of them are lying. They're not lying about a need. They're just not giving you the full truth of what the, why the need is there and what their ultimate goals are. Uh, Cross White, who runs the downtown mission, says never give money to people on the street, ever. And he's in the business. He runs the downtown mission. That's straight from his mouth. And early in Christian ministry, I didn't know this. And I thought I have to live the, the, the appearance and what I believed was the Christian duty to give to whoever asked. Because you can read that in scripture. But they lie. Most of them. So if they say they're hungry, they may be. And while you might help them with food, it's because they want to spend the other money that they do have on drugs or prostitutes. At least downtown situation, that's what you usually get. Drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, prostitutes. All right? Let me give you a couple of living examples. There was a woman who was missing half of her leg who was in a wheelchair. She was obese. It was when I was living at the station and she approached me and she said, could you go to the store for me? I said, yes, I had compassion. And so I went to the store and I bought her the things that she was asking for. That included tampons, filling prescriptions, and other assortment of things that were a little bit more costly than the average fast food hamburger. Brought it all to her, took her to her room. She stayed in a long-term motel. And she said, oh, thank you so much. She said, I would really like to go to church with you. And I said, well, I can pick you up. And we set the day to pick her up on a Sunday morning. Then the Sunday came and I stopped by the place, knocked, no answer, knocked, no answer, knocked, no answer. Finally, someone came to the door. It was a guy. He was all strung out. And she was sitting there in the room and she was high as a kite. And I said, well, I'm here to pick you up for church. And she has laughed hysterically at the idea. And all of the other users laughed hysterically at the idea of going to church. 
Yeah, it's just one anecdotal story. It's one of dozens. And every one that I could tell you all wound up of them lying. Every one. So learn vicariously through someone who's been there. We had a couple who was on the street with a baby. They were homeless. And they begged, please give us a hotel room so our baby can have a place to stay. The baby was dirty. They were dirty. Obviously drug users. We had compassion. We funded three nights in a hotel for them to stay. Something told me, go check on them. It was later in the night after we checked them in and paid, prepaid. So I went back, knocked on the door, no answer, no answer, no answer. I go to the front desk. I said, could you leave a note for the people in room, whatever it was? He says, oh, they checked out. They got a refund on, on their prepayment and they checked out. I, pull, I walked out of the place. I looked across the street and there across the street at the Maverick, they were hanging out right there, still begging for food, high as kites now. Baby's still filthy. They lie. They want what they want. They don't care. That's not compassion to give to them. That is enabling. That is allowing them to take advantage of you and it's not teaching them anything. I've got at least a dozen stories more, two dozen from takers, not one of them successful. Okay? Not one. Not one used the compassion, financial compassion to benefit their lives. They all used the compassion to hurt themselves more. And that's about the people who say they need help with food, gas, please help with gas. Hey, they hit you at the gas station or it, all of them. I've, I've, I've tested them, followed up to see. Pastoring an online church, there are those who either attend that are in constant financial trouble because of different circumstances, or there are those who I call floaters. And what they do is they actually get online and they look up the churches in an area and they either physically come to the church on a Sunday or they call the pastor. We've had this happen. You know, we, Derek and I have put people in hotels who have called us. We don't know. They're from out of town and they got robbed. Usually turn out to be lies. Usually to be turned out to be manipulation. Almost every time. The floaters who come to church and stop in and, and they'll say at the end when you have the Q&A, I'm just passing through and, you know, I was just looking for some help because my car broke down, this and that. The congregates are innocent. They're like sheep. They don't know. They go and they'll, they'll fund the guy 50, 100 bucks out of their own pocket because they feel bad for them. Those guys go off and they use you. Let's be real. I'm, I, I'm not hardcore. I've, I've lived this. I've tried it. I tried to do the thing that Christians think you're supposed to do for those people out there. The, the ones who are opportunists, the floaters and the, and the, and the others. And then long, then the long-term cases. Let's just talk about that. The guys coming out of prison, I have seen that uh, in my experience, uh, one bad one, but I've also seen good ones. I've seen guys who have come out and they want a change 
and they want help to get back on their feet and they want someone to help them bridge transition from prison to life. And I've seen um, three really good success stories and that includes the one with the rapist. They've learned a lesson, they've paid their debt to society, they come out and they are humbly grateful for the help that you can give them. So when Jesus says to go to the prisons, he, he was on to something there. He was on to something about those who are in such a terrible place and when they come out. I think that's compassionate. Now, they'll take advantage of you too sometimes, and it can be a waste, and you might meet a sociopath, but bottom line, if you're doing it safely, reasonably, and they are proving themselves, I find that to be a great way to exercise Christian compassion. Take the time and money that you'd give to somebody on the street and help somebody who is really trying to transition from one uh, place to another, like a prisoner. Um, the long-term support cases, really tough. And to tell you the truth, most of them wind up being habitual. That the people who get themselves into a situation where they are constantly at knee, in need of support, it almost should become something uh, that the government handles because it's impossible for uh, a small church to support them. And it's impossible for an individual, especially if those people abuse the help you give them. So after being burned too many times to count, I'm pretty thick sometimes, I started looking hard at the role model of Jesus that scripture gives us. What examples and parables do we have in the apostolic record in Jesus' day? We have the prodigal son as an example. We have the good Samaritan. We have the man who was helped when he was lowered through the roof so Jesus could heal him. We have Peter and John in the book of Acts chapter 3. These are four of the primary, there may be more, but they're primary stories that we have from Scripture. Notice that Scripture never shows Jesus giving to an alcoholic. Have you ever wondered about that? Or a drug addict, I'm not sure they had drug addicts in, but alcohol is a drug, and there were certainly drunkards. And we don't have a story or parable of Jesus going up to the drunkard and saying, here, let me give you some money for wine. Never. Why? Because it's not compassionate. We have Paul say, if you don't work, you don't eat. Do you think that's harsh? It's really compassionate. Because if you take somebody who has succumbed to entropy and just want to lay there and collect, the most compassionate thing you can do is to tell them to come to their senses, to feed them with the bread of life, to give them hope and share Jesus. That's what Christians should share. The money is, is often, usually, the last thing that they need. 
In the story of the prodigal son, we notice that the father of the son, who represents God the father, let the boy go out there and get knocked up by life, lose everything, and sit in the mud with eating the husks of pigs. We notice that the father doesn't run out and rescue him. He lets him suffer. He lets him come to his own senses. And when he does, he runs to him, embraces him, puts a ring on his finger and a robe on his back and says, my son who was lost is now found. But he waits till the son comes to their senses. If you're the parent of a child who's, a, who's a addicted to a, a drug or is not someone who wants to work, compassion is to make them come to their senses. That's true love. They call it tough love sometimes. It's true love. This endless compassion for people who are just taking advantage of others is the last thing that compassion is. In the Good Samaritan story, the Samaritan helped a man who was suddenly overcome by thieves who beat him up. I don't know anybody who has half a heart who wouldn't help somebody who was beaten up by thieves. I mean, that would be an automatic to most people, Christian and not, that if somebody was beaten up, I know most people would stop and say, let me call an ambulance. Let me get you some water. Here's a blanket. How can I help you? Oh, I don't know. I'm, uh, you know, I'll put you in a hotel for the night. Let's do, you know, most people would have that compassion. In Jesus' story, the religionist didn't because he was a Samaritan. I mean, because he was, uh, 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 he, he was, uh, why didn't they? Pride, I think. But the Samaritan did, is the point. A priest and a Levite busy with their religious duties, couldn't stop to help the one here. That's the point. But the Samaritan helped the Jew who was beaten up, right? So most people, if you're a Christian, I am sure if you saw somebody who was beaten up by others laying in the road, you would stop. We're, that's the kind of compassion he's showing here, right? But we don't see the Samaritan helping somebody who was a lifelong a manipulator of men, somebody who's a drunkard, somebody who's a drug addict, somebody who uh, doesn't want to work. He helps somebody who was preyed upon in their immediate situation. And I think most Christians from the heart would do that. There's a man who was disabled and his friends took the time and they helped him by moving the tiles of a roof and lowering him down by ropes to the floor of a crowded room so Jesus could heal him. That kind of help doesn't involve financial. It involves time. And most of us, that's a good thing to help anybody with your time. Take the time to share Jesus. Take the time to hear their story, hear their plight, give them advice, encourage them. That, I mean, that is really time is what life is made of and time is money. And when you stop and you give someone your time, that is a gift. The money often just 
just, just, I mean, what if all the friends said, yeah, here is uh, $10 for you, lame man who can't get into the room. See you later. Wouldn't have done anything, but they lowered him down. And then we have the very interesting example. This is where an actual beggar asks apostles of Jesus Christ for money. It occurs in, in Acts chapter three, verse six, and Peter and John are teaching and they see a guy and he comes up and he asks for money. He's begging. He, he actually has a disability where he can't walk. Here is what they say. Peter says to him, silver and gold have I none. Was that the truth? I don't think it was literally the truth. They had to have had money for some of their needs. So this is just speaking of, I don't have enough silver and gold to help you. And most of us are in that situation. We don't have enough to give to other people who ask. If you live downtown where I live and you give to everybody who asks, you will not have enough to pay your own rent. Are you supposed to do that? Is that wisdom? Is that wise? Is that compassion? No. So we have Peter say to the guy, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I will give to you. And he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, in the name of Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he lifts the man to his feet. Now, isn't that the point of a Christian? Not to say, silver and gold, let me give you. Because most of us are not in that position. But to really help those in need. The lame man is a symbol. The lame man who couldn't walk asking for money is a symbol and a type for everybody out there in need. And, 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 and our goal is to help them, to lift them up, give them the assistance for them to be able to rise up and walk. First spiritually, to give Jesus to them, rise up and walk. And then when that is firmly ensconced in their heart, to possibly physically aid them in walking, learning a job, learning a skill, giving them the resources that are out there to help. It's not to just unfold the the money and hand it to them. The apostles themselves didn't. When the woman with an alabaster box gave it and broke it and put it over Jesus' head, the contents, they criticized Jesus for allowing her to do that because the contents could have been sold and given to the poor. Judas, it is believed, is the one who did the criticizing along with others. It's called parsimony. And you, you give to the poor of the money because that, that is much more important. And Jesus said, the poor you will always have with you. Never has a truth been more, uh, 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 has, a, has a point been more true. God himself allows the poor to exist. You can't fix it. But what you can do is help individuals who are truly seeking to walk, to stand on their own two feet, to bridge the gap between a problem to a solution. And it usually does not require money. It requires time, encouragement, love, 
not the money. Jesus left this world, he ascended, and it was still filled with poor people. It was a world that still had poverty, still had disease, still had starvation, still on it. Some people would call him a, uh, a God that failed. No, his victory is inward. His victory is spiritual. You got to fix that first. We can't save the material world around us. And more and more, it's, it's getting worse. It possibly will become improbable. Now, this is not saying that we should build up religious empires. I think every empire that's religious should be deconstructed, the assets sold off to help aid people in their spiritual maturation and aid people who really want to uh, change, like those guys coming out of prison and people who are have been beaten at the roadside. Yes, deconstruct your temples and your synagogues and your churches and bring that money into programs that will really help. Sure. But nevertheless, um, we cannot fix the material world with material means. There's always those who we can aid though and will appreciate it. But I've learned the hard lesson, the very hard lesson, that aid for aid's sake, money to make you feel like you're doing something, like you're being good to people who are manipulating you is not compassionate. It's irresponsible. It's harmful. It's like handing them a bottle of alcohol, the last thing that they need if they're an alcoholic. I would think that the best response every Christian from this point, every Christian should have when they are confronted with, can I have some money? Can you help me get some gas? Can you buy my lunch? Would be the response of Peter and John. Silver and gold have I none. But that which I have, I'll give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. I've tested it out. Uh, there are always exceptions. And rules do never make great things in this area. But the general rule is to aid in ways that will not facilitate laziness, ease, addiction, and manipulation. Do not just help because people on the street are asking or someone approaches you at church and asks. Discern. We are supposed to use our minds. Think. We're living in an age when it's become more noble to be a failure than to be a success. And at an age that is expecting enabling to go on and, uh, and condemnation is given when enabling is not encouraged. Uh, aid with prayer, with rides, if it's safe, to and from job interviews, with uh, clothing that might work uh, for a job interview and keep the receipt, taking them to eat perhaps, but the, all they do is use the money that they didn't spend on food for drugs. You got to be wise. We have to be truly compassionate. And I think that we ought to lead the way in delivering to the solicitous world, that clear message as Christians, gold and silver, I have none, but that which I give, I give to you. Rise up on your own two feet. Walk yourself. And if you don't have feet, I'll aid you. 
But you've got to learn to survive materially in this world. Having faith in Christ is the start. That's true Christian compassion.